It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Leafs Guy, Episode 30, Season 2. Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio will be by to talk about the first two games of the Leafs-Tampa series. It's tied at one. Exciting stuff. Before we get there, hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And, oh, yes, guy, we have a series. It's tied at 1. The Leafs win game 1, 5-0. Tampa wins game 2 by a score of 5-3. And on to Tampa, the series shifts. There's a lot of stuff to go over. And here is the conversation I had with Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. All right, Dave, let's start with the fact that the series is tied at one. So when you reflect back over the first two games, what do you come up with? Well, um, what I guess I come up with is, quite frankly, if you want to go back to the last four games, that these two teams have played against each other relatively in a short period of time, right? The two toward the end of the regular season, now the two in the playoffs. Uh, it's really swung back and forth uh, quite substantially in terms of how each game has played out. Leafs went down to Tampa in, in like, what was it, uh, early April there, had a, had a really resounding victory. Then they went back down again. They got licked 8-1. Then in game one, Toronto, I mean, I, I didn't see that coming in game one, but they really handled Tampa Bay in every sense of the word. Uh, it was, to me, as close to a perfect game as I've seen the Maple Leafs play, not just this season, but maybe in the Matthews, Marner, Nylander era. Like, they were that good in every sense and facet of the game. And then in game two, it swung right back the other way where it kind of got out of hand in favor of Tampa Bay, where I didn't mind the game so much at even strength for Toronto. 
Uh, but man, they really got in their own way with spending far too much time in a penalty box uh, with, with undisciplined penalties that you just simply cannot take. And, um, you know, you, you look at the, the Kerfoot penalty at the end of the first period there that led to the Hedman goal, a tough penalty to take. You can't take that. And then I agree with what Sheldon said after the game that it, it did seem like uh, once they got that clear with about 15, 20 seconds left, they almost stopped playing as though, okay, we're out of this period now. And, and then they snuck one in. And then, um, you know, in the, in the second period, when it was still one nothing, unbelievable glove saved by Vasilevsky on Timothy Lilligren, keep it uh, to keep it one nothing. Then they get that 2 nothing old and Bunting scores. They kind of get a little bit of momentum going again. And then Simmons takes a, you know, a penalty that, again, you just cannot take after the whistle, getting his stick up high. Um, and then Nikita Kucherov scores on the power play, and from that point it was really it was really game over. So I think what stands out to me is just how it swung back and forth uh, so far on the pendulum. Not, none of these games have been tight. Uh, it's really been one-sided, um, two for Tampa, two for Toronto. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think for me the uh, the only difference is uh, in the in game two of this series, there was some clawback by the Leafs late in the hockey game. Those other four, uh, three games, when you look at them, they were all sort of in one direction. But there was some clawback there. And, I, you know, in game two, I didn't like, like the Leafs had those two power plays and didn't score. And I thought that was a, that was a real negative. Uh, and the one thing I will give Tampa credit for, uh, you know, they, they absolutely pounced when they had to in game two. The timing of their goals is, is uncanny, really, because they, it just, they took care of their own business, and, and Vasilevsky was really good, and Tampa just looked like a much faster team in game two as opposed to game one. Uh, you know, I think all this sets up for a really good series. Uh, there's going to be a lot of back and forth here, and you know, the, the first two games are sort of a feeling out, but when this series then moves to Tampa, I, I think you're looking at uh, it, it would be tied at two after four, setting up a, a, you know, a great two out of three series uh, the rest of the way uh, i think this should be a classic yeah I, i've liked the series the way it's played out so far both teams have shown the best elements of their game uh, both teams have shown you why they are capable of winning the series um and, and with with seeing that i expect it to to be long um you know i i'm with you they they did push back a little bit in game two i don't know how much stock i put in that really um once the game's you know, five one five two. What happens in the last ten minutes to me doesn't mean all that much, um, because the dynamics of the game change a little bit. Tampa maybe takes their foot off the gas a little bit, leaps pressing a bit harder. What happens when the game is nothing? Nothing uh, to me is is really what tells the story. So, what I saw was, as you pointed out, the timing of of Tampa. Uh, getting done what they needed to was was really what told the story of the game. Like you you let in a goal with a second left in the first period. After I thought, quite frankly, Leafs played a pretty good first period. Like I yeah. really like their game. You don't have to be up um, in the game to to like a team's game. And I thought if they had been able to get out of that period, that was a good period. Even though the score would have been nothing nothing, but they took their foot off the gas. Headman and just the way he scored too. Like it it was. I won't say a disrespectful goal, but like it kind of had that feel, right? It was just a weird-looking yeah. goal where he outweighs him, he, Campbell bites, and then he just tucks it in the open net with a second left. That's a that's a crusher. And then you know Vasilevsky, as he's done every single time he's lost since the start of the 2020 playoffs, 
Yeah. Uh, the guy is unbelievable after a loss. And that, that save on Timothy Lilligren early in the second, when, you know, if he scores there, it's 1-1, and maybe the game plays out differently. He makes an, like, all-time glove save. And then that Victor Hedman pass to Corey Perry. A lot of people aren't, aren't noticing the play that, that Perry made initially to break up that play in the neutral zone. Got it back to Hedman, and then Perry circled and, and, and built speed through the neutral zone, and then Hedman hit him with just an incredible pass to show you uh, what he's all about. 2 nothing at that point, which was a killer. Uh, John Cooper pointed out as well after the game that as nice as that Hedman goal was, remember, that was the first, first time Tampa had scored in the series, almost four periods in. Right. So that was a bit of a relief. But he said it was that 2 nothing goal that really made the difference because, okay, you're up one nothing, can easily – tie the game 1-1, and then you're right back to square one. But that second goal really got Tampa feeling good about themselves. And then, uh, and then like I said, the, the undisciplined play from Simmons uh, that led to the Kucherov goal after Bunting got, got a little bit of momentum coming back in, in the favor of the Leafs really, to me, was the crusher. Yeah, I, mean, I really like that, that the, the 5-3 Tampa win, because there's a lot of stuff that could go. You could send it in, in either direction. You know, I could tell you that uh, Victor Hedman had a, had a much better game than he had in game one and was a key factor, and he was. Uh, you wonder where, you know, what is the ceiling for him? And Vasilevsky played a much better game than he did in game one, but they still got three past him. So, I mean, it, it just leaves you anticipating a lot more, doesn't it? Yeah, Um Again, even though they got three by Vasilevsky yesterday, to me, he was the, the first star of that game. Because when, like, see, this is why I always have a hard time with, with people who cite goaltending save percentage as um, an indicator to who the best goalie is. Because, okay, so just let's use simple math. Like, let's just say the Leafs got 30, and they didn't, but let's just say they got 30 shots last night. He let in three. Okay, so his save percentage is 900. Okay, that's fine. But when did you make the saves? Oh, yeah. Because and that's, that's really what it comes down to. Do I want a, a goalie that, uh, you know, makes 40 saves uh, but lets in two brutal goals, say, early in the game on, on softies and then you lose two to one? Well, the save percentage was better, but I'll take Vasilevsky's game all day long because it looked like, when that game started last night, game two, uh, on Wednesday night, that it, early in the game, Vasilevsky had that, not tonight, boys, not tonight. It's not going by yeah. me tonight. When it matters, look on his, on his face, in his game. And, and you saw that. Uh, the Leafs, in the first period, challenged him on a number of occasions, and he shut the door every single time, and he looked under control while doing it. Uh, and then that, that, that save on Timothy Lilligren early in the second, um, to me, that, that really was, if I had to pick a turning point in the game, that was it. Because 99 times out of 100, that goes in the net. Um, but he, he somehow finds a way to get the glove on it. Just a pure reactionary save um, at a time when the game could really change. Because I like the Leafs push there in the second. They came out. I was concerned. Um, thinking how they would come out in the second after the deflating headman goal at the end of the first. Uh, are they just going to sort of wilt their way into the second and is this game going to get out of control early? Well, they, they came out with a good push. They got a great chance. Vasil, Vasilevsky said, nope, not tonight. 
and, and it really changed the tenor of the game. So, yeah, I let in three, but the, like I said, the goals at the end, I don't really care too much. It's 5-1 at that point. Uh, when the game was on the line, you just knew you weren't shooting it by Vasilevsky. Well, I, I would agree with you. I, I think the, the shorthanded goal, uh, sorry, the shorthanded goal by Kerfoot uh, is noteworthy just because it, it, it speaks to the least penalty killing and, and how that could be a factor as the series wears on. I mean, from the eye test, uh, you know, when I watched that game, I thought, okay, so the Hedman goal leaves a mark, the Perry goal certainly leaves a mark, and the Kucherov goal, uh, you know, these are things that, that where Tampa's taking care of business in an efficient manner and just there's opportunity and they're going to score. And how Vasilevsky played, it, certainly uh, at the start of the game, you'd look and go, okay, there's going to be no cheap goal go by him tonight, and they're scoring when they need to. That's a bad sign for the Leafs, which is unfortunate because that bunting goal is really important for the, for the Leafs because of the play Matthews makes to start. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. And, and that, the play that Matthews made, you know, everyone's talking about the, the pass that, that Marner made to set up bunting, which, which was great. But the play right there was started by Matthews, who was strong on pucks, uh, finished his check, separated McDonough from the puck in the corner. Uh, and then, second effort, as the puck kind of trickled away from him, instead of giving up on the play, he lunged and sprawled to poke it ahead to Marner, which set up the play. So that was an outstanding effort on the part of Austin Matthews. Not, here, here, here's a positive for Toronto. Matthews and Marner have been really good through the first yeah. two games, like outstanding. Yeah. And that was a huge storyline coming in because they were no good against Montreal last year, especially when the series was on the line in games five, six, and seven. So, Look, if Toronto's going to have to going to going to have a chance to win, uh, thirty four and sixteen are going to need to be really good. And through two games, uh, they have been. So that's an encouraging sign uh, for Toronto. But then, you know, as we said, you take a bad penalty right after you generate that momentum. And yeah. then, again, in the way Kucherov scored that goal, I'm, again, I think you know what I'm saying when it, when I yeah. say a disrespectful goal. Yeah. Kucherov just came in, looked like he was men playing against boys there, made it look so easy, just nice, easy wrist shot over the glove like he was picking Campbell apart. I don't, you know, tough, tough goal um, for Campbell. I, I can't fault him on that just because the way he was able to walk right in, looked off, you know, he was looking into the corner, nice, easy wrist shot near side. Of it. Like it was just, okay, it's going to be one of those nights there because a goal like that shows you that Kucherov was, uh, he was feeling it. Well, I mean, a guy of that skill level, you can't give any time or space to. I mean, and even the point goal, I know I know these are on the power play, but uh, a guy like point, you can't leave open. So there, mm-hmm. there's, there's some errors there. I want to go back to game one, which which I think we would agree is, is the perfect game for the Leafs. And on the post game following that game, you know, I, I don't like to predict the future by the past, but I did point out that as perfect as this game was, the last perfect game the Leafs played in the playoffs was game four. In Montreal last uh, well spring summers last summer uh, when they went four nothing and then never no- didn't win a game after that and I mean mm-hmm. so so the point is there's going to be some drop off in performance in the game after perfection and I think that's what we saw in game two. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, and uh, that's why I kind of laughed after game one. We're we're so reactionary, not not we necessarily, but like fans are so reactionary. 
Um, and everyone pointing out, oh, look at Tampa Bay. They're, they're running out of steam here. And uh, look, the big boys, they just don't, they don't have it anymore. They're not feeling it. Running, like, come on now. The, 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 the demise of Kucherov and Hedman and Vasilevsky and Point was greatly overestimated. These guys didn't win back-to-back cups by accident, right? Um, and, and they just they didn't have their best game in game one. But to think that they weren't going to come out with any kind of pushback uh, and that the Leafs are going to be able to play three more essentially perfect games against the two-time defending cup champs uh, was not realistic. But you know, like I said, there are still positives here for Toronto heading into to game three. The recipe is simple. One, you have to find a way to be more disciplined. You cannot take dumb penalties after the whistle. It's just, as you like to say, Jim, it's non-negotiable. You, yeah. cannot, you cannot give that power play more opportunities than they're going to get through the course of a game with just regular penalties within the course of play. So that's number one. Two, um, Matthews and Martin are going to need to continue at the level that they've been at through the first two games. You're asking a lot, but they're also paid a lot, and it's incumbent on them to deliver at this time of year. So they're going to they're going to have to find a way to continue to push through. Um, those those I would say would be the big two things. If they can if they can get those two things under control, their discipline and keep having Marner and Matthews do their thing, um, you know, and, and maybe get some contribution from, from John Tavares and William Nylander. It's going to be interesting to see if, um, if, uh, if Sheldon goes back to Nylander and Tavares because like, I haven't minded Nylander's game through the first two. He hasn't really contributed on the score sheet, but I think he's been involved in the play. Um, I haven't seen it, again, I feel like it's a, a consistent narrative here, but I haven't seen enough out of John Tavares at even strength. Um, they need to find a way to get that going. So maybe go back to Nylander and Tavares on the road if they can get uh, some some situational contributions from a line like that, that would go a long way as well. Yeah, I mean, it's an intriguing series because I, I think that, you know, the, the way Tampa started, you there were people that were willing to write them off. But this is a two-time champion, and these guys can bend, but they're not going to break. So this is a real exercise for the Leafs to learn how to manage not only a game situation but a series situation yeah. and how to finish somebody off and, and if they come through this and do it i think they're going to be a, a, just a ton better for it oh yeah i mean if, if you can beat tampa and find a way to to navigate your way through this series and win it that will will go light years in the direction of of making this toronto team feel like a different group shedding the demons from years gone by like it, it really to me would seem like that year that washington finally beat Pittsburgh in the second round there and then you know their their old nemesis right and then once they did that it was like they ran downhill to the Stanley Cup and you, you remember uh you know the, the 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 call on the radio there the Capitals radio network with John Walton when they finally did win when he when he exclaimed it's okay to believe and and that's that's really <laughs> John's the best that's yeah. really what it was uh, really what it was all about for Washington. Like, until they found a way to win, it was as if maybe more so the, the fan base, but maybe to an extent the team as well didn't believe that they could beat Crosby and Malkin in the playoffs. And then once they did, it's like, okay, here we go. And, and they, really, uh, they really cruised to the cup. So I think, I think it would be a similar thing for Toronto because it's not just winning a series against Tampa Bay. There's so much past muck 
that they need to try to, to get out of and put in the past to almost unencumber themselves moving forward. And just a, a little anecdote to that point on, uh, what is today, Thursday? So uh, Tuesday after game one, uh, I asked Patty Maroon, I said, uh, how does the, the Stanley Cup pedigree and experience that you guys have accrued over the last couple of years, and I guess you yourself over the last three, I said, uh, come into play uh, at this at this time after you have a game one like you did where it was completely out of hand in favor of Toronto uh, to, to try to calm things down and make sure things don't get panicky. And he looked at me and he said, uh, it's game one, right? Like are you panicking? I said, well, <laughs> no, I said, no, but look, if it had gone the other way, Patrick and the Leafs had lost five, nothing in game one, safe to say it would be mass pandemonium in this city. So that just goes to show you the two different mindsets of these teams, right? Game one, Tampa loses 5 nothing. That's eh, game one. Let's take it easy. Long series. We'll come back. Man, if Toronto had lost 5 nothing, can you imagine the storylines, the chatter, the narrative, oh. the panic that would have gone down? And that's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. So one knows how to do it, and the other's trying to figure it out. So so let's go through this. I mean, you said, and we all agree, Matthews and Marner have done a nice job. Kerfoot's done a nice job. Camp has done a nice job. That Really, that second line needs to deliver more, and, and maybe they tweak it. I like the blue line. I like Campbell. Uh, what has to be adjusted for you? Uh, well, I, I think the biggest the biggest thing is, number one, they need to get something out of John Tavares at even strength. Like It, it just is. Again, non-negotiable. You need to get something there out of the captain um, because it, it, look again, he's paid a lot of money because at, at this time of the year you depend on him to be able to produce. Um, you know, and the other thing is the, the special teams battle has been such a big part of the first two games, and especially at shorthanded. You know, John doesn't kill penalties, right? So. Uh, his his rhythm within the game is disrupted to an extent. That's a soft excuse, but but it's a, maybe a potential reason. He hasn't been able to get into a groove, feel the game, consistent shift uh, every three and a half minutes, and get into the game. So if if they can clean up their discipline, that would help guys like Tavares as well get into the game consistently, especially early on in the game. Um, so that needs to happen. I'll be interested to see, like I said, if they put Nylander back up on that line, because I don't think uh, Kerfoot McKay have, have necessarily meshed all that well so far with uh, with Tavares. And then the other thing will be to see what they do on the fourth line. Uh, Kyle Clifford's suspension has come to an end. Sheldon Keefe did not commit to going back to him in game three uh, when he spoke about an hour ago on, on Thursday here. Um, the, the other thing is, does Jason Spezza get into the lineup? Uh, I, I think they they put Clifford and Wayne Simmons in the lineup in game one because they wanted to make sure they had a response if the game got into the alley, so to speak. But I, I think what's happened is that um, Sheldon Keefe's trust in, in Clifford and in, in Wayne Simmons to make sure they play in a fashion that does not uh, work against the team has not been rewarded through the first two games. They got away with it on, on, on Monday in game one with the Clifford major 
Um, Wayne Simmons, the two penalties. Look, and, and like, don't get me wrong. I love Wayne. I love what he brings when he's when he's playing on the right side of the line. But he he, he crossed the line in game two, and it, it cost Toronto. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm not sure if if it's not the. Oh, I am sure. If I was Sheldon Keith, it would be time to get Jason Spezza into the lineup because you don't have to worry as much that that he's going to do something after the whistle. It's going to bite you. Again, if you're going to take penalties during the play, that's one thing, and you're rolling the dice against this Tampa power play. If you're going to start taking them after the whistle, you're really putting a gun to your head. So yeah, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that all that much with Jason Spetson. And the other thing that, that he would offer is um, uh, another option on the, uh, on the power play, on the second unit, because... Without Spezza, I don't think that second power play unit really is at all a threat. Uh, it looks like there's just a, a bunch of guys out there kind of on their own program, but I don't really see much of a threat there at all. But when Spezza's in the lineup, uh, the second power play unit tends to run quite effectively through him, and he's been able to come up, uh, him and that unit as a whole, um, with, with some key goals here down the stretch. So I think that would be um, a benefit to, to Toronto because if, if you shut down the top unit, you know, for a minute 20, you've, you've essentially killed the power playoff right now, I think, if you're Tampa Bay. So they got to find a way to have the final 40, 45 seconds of power plays um, to be in a position where they're a bit of a threat to score. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. And as you were saying that, I have the lineups in front of me. And, and, and so, you know, just to sort of wrap this up, and I'll, I'll get your response to this. Uh, when you look at the lineups, the differences are, as you said, uh, no five-on-five five from Tavares. They need to correct that. And the fourth-line matchup really favors Tampa. I mean, you got Belmar, Perry, and Maroon against Blackwell, Simmons, slash Spezza, and Clifford. Uh, I, I mean, that uh, going into the series, I, I mean, on the air, I said to Frank Corrado, my partner, I said, you know, that fourth line is a mismatch at this particular point, and I still see it that way. So that, that doesn't mean that the Leafs can't fix that, but the, but they have to repair that fourth line matchup, and they have to get five on five out of Tavares, don't they? Well, they, they absolutely do. I mean, I think Blackwell's going to remain in the lineup. I think they like what he brings. But if you have a fourth line of, of, of Blackwell, uh, Spezza, and Kasha, you know, maybe that's, that's a, a group that can try to swing the matchup in, in, in Toronto's favor because Blackwell's got some speed and some rambunctiousness. Uh, Cash has got a little bit of speed and, and some rambunctiousness as well. And you know, Spets is a guy that he's not a burner, but, but I think he's able to slow the game down to his pace and he's able to make plays, right? Like every time he's in the lineup, he, he still clearly has the, the skill and the ability that uh, made Jason Spets a household name for many years of his career. He can't do it at the same pace, maybe, but I still think he's able to, to contribute. So maybe rather than trying to match up Tampa's fourth line with, with you know, pugnacity against pugnacity, um, maybe bring a bit more of a, a speed and skill element to it. And Look, I know this runs in stark contrast to a lot of the, the way that I tend to think about the game, but... Um, I don't know if that's a battle that you can win. I, they, they tried to go down that road, matching it up with, with Clifford and Simmons, and Tampa's won that, that matchup so far through two games. They, they, they've come out on the better end of, of fourth-line shifts. 
So, look, Patty Maroon is, is not a burner. Tory Perry <laughs> often looks like he has running shoes on the ice at times instead of skates. He does not get around very quick. He knows where he needs to get to, and he yeah. finds ways to get there. <laughs> yeah. But if, you're gonna get, if, you, if you get him into a foot race, uh, chances are you're going to win that race. So maybe that's how you try to make them play, get them into foot races, get pucks behind them, um, outrace them to pucks, and try to, to generate from that standpoint rather than going sort of mono a mono against them from a physical standpoint. Yeah, thanks for mentioning Cash. I neglected to mention him, but, but I think your point is totally valid. Uh, you don't try to match what Tampa is doing. You try to counter it, and I think that's really what the Leafs have to do here. Dave, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you very much, Mike Ross. That means lickety-split, yes guy, no guy on the way out. Yes guy, no guy number one. The Leafs should be worried. An absolute no guy. They did a lot of things right in game two, even though they lost 5-3. Tampa, you really have to tip their hat. As I said in that conversation with Dave McCarthy, they absolutely scored when they had to and were very efficient in terms of knowing what to do and when to do it, and they succeeded. So, no guy. Leafs should not be worried. This is going to be a good series. Yes guy, no guy, number two. Tampa is ready to roll. Now, that's another no guy. I mean, Tampa did not look good in game one. Obviously, much better in game two. But nobody's going to run away with anything here. So that's an emphatic no guy. Yes guy, no guy, number three. Special teams is a key. Oh, absolutely, yes guy. Go back to game one and the least with that penalty kill. Go to game two in Tampa with the power play. So absolutely, yes guy. Best specialty teams will win the series. Yes guy, no guy, number four. This is a seven-game series. Oh, an emphatic yes guy. Are you kidding? Back and forth, to and fro. This will be exciting. Hope you enjoyed Episode 30, Season 2 of Leafs Guy. Hope you come back next week for Episode 31. 